Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, a little bit of travel news to talk about. In a couple of months, we're going to Canada. We're going to Canada, baby. <laughs> uh, I don't know the last time you were in Canada. When was the last time you were in Canada? Um, I was in Canada somewhere a year or two after I got married. We actually oh. crossed the border at like Niagara Falls. Just sure. Briefly. So I actually have been to Canada more recently than you have. Okay. Uh, I was in there in 2012 before I started my freshman year at Bayport High School. My parents were like, we're going to go on a big family trip. So we did. We drove up. We drove up, crossed over. I believe we were in Toronto briefly, but then the big part of the trip was in Niagara Falls. Got a chance to see yeah. that. That was 17 years ago, Michael. A lot has changed. Excited to be going to Winnipeg for the first time. Yeah, Winnipeg, Manitoba will be the site of the Packers-Raiders preseason game August 22nd. It'll be the third preseason game of the four in Green Bay's schedule. Now, technically, this is uh, Oakland's home game right. uh, within their preseason schedule. IG Field, I believe, is that the name of it? 33,000 33, seat venue. It is the home of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. And uh, I'll just be curious to see how the whole thing gets set up because the CFL has, you know, the larger field and everything compared to the NFL. So they have to kind of remark everything yeah. and reline it, have the goalposts in the right spot, you know, all that kind of thing so it'll be a neat trip i think I, from what i was looking at too it looked like winnipeg has like is it like a 21 day roads like they're not going to be home for like 21 or 22 that, days or something yeah. so that's what sort of lent itself to being able to do this okay uh but that being said i am going to be very interested to see what the setup is like aaron Rodgers said he was excited about it. he's never been to winnipeg either so that'll be neat for him to do that for the first time he said he still hopes that doesn't mean they won't be able to go to london though he would still yes. like to do that yes there uh, are during... a lot of guys in the packers locker room who would like to uh who would like to make that trip to London hopefully it happens at some point but the my bigger thing is is it's the preseason you and I have been through this so many times a lot of times we end up in Kansas City a lot you and I are going out in Tennessee you get those same sort of core teams that you're traveling to usually in the Midwest of the AFC yeah so to have a chance to throw a little bit of a curveball in there and go check out Canada I think it's going to be a neat experience something totally different but the big thing is it is going to be interesting to see how they are able to format a CFL stadium to fit an NFL team's needs yeah and just for the historians out out there the last time the Packers played a game in Canada preseason August of 1997 played the really? Buffalo Bills in Toronto it was I didn't a, know that yeah yeah 1997 actually the uh as everyone knows the second of the back-to-back -back Super Bowls in the Favre years Packers played a preseason game in Toronto against the Buffalo Bills that's the last time they crossed the border which year were they in uh Asia or was oh, that Tokyo? Tokyo? Yeah, Tokyo was. I'd have to look that. That one was up late nineties sure. too. Though, it was. Wasn't it? it was in. The, it was in the nineties. It was wow, in the they far. They really had them yes. flying around there for yeah. a bit. I was not aware of that the Toronto Argonauts, right? Yes, That's the, the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL. Yes, yeah. but the Buffalo Bills uh, hosted a preseason game. So that nineteen ninety seven, that'd be twenty two years ago, if my sports math is correct. It was interesting this week, and, and the, the announcement was made by Winnipeg uh, that that they're going to be going out there for this. The Raiders and Packers are going to be coming out for this game. It was interesting though around the building this last week hearing some of the players talking about you know setting up their their passport uh you know going through yep. and having to do that everybody needs a passport uh, i had to do it i haven't had i haven't been out of the country in 15 years or 10 12 years now so it's like i had to go through the process too so it's different it's going to be a new experience but hey i mean anytime you can get up to the 
the the great white north uh, in August, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah, well, getting back to the business at hand right now for the Green Bay Packers, it is week three of OTAs. We had an opportunity on Tuesday of this week to watch another practice, practice that was open to the public, open to the media. We got to see head coach Matt LaFleur cruising around the practice field on his golf cart and all that. We don't need to get into that whole thing too much. He's uh, obviously going to uh, hope that his recovery goes along as quickly as possible so that he can be in a walking boot and be able to get around in that fashion as opposed to um, the golf cart scenario as a training camp unfolds later on. But uh, a big couple of big highlights. Now, again, as we talk about, it's OTAs. There's no pads. We're only seeing one practice a week. But if you had to point to one offensive highlight from that practice on Tuesday – a heck of a throw and catch Aaron Rodgers to Jimmy Graham yeah. over the middle of the field. Preston Smith, the outside linebacker, I thought he actually had pretty good coverage on the play. And the ball just in the perfect spot, and Jimmy Graham reaches out full extension and not only makes the catch in his fingertips but keeps his feet right. and you know would have uh, had a pretty monster gain there. Um Interesting thoughts, though, what I want to get to about this with Jimmy Graham, because we don't hear from him much. He's not crazy about talking to the media, which I personally think is unfortunate because the times I have talked to him, I think he's a very engaging guy. He's a very interesting guy. He has a lot of uh, uh, a lot of really intriguing things to say and a good conversationalist. But his choice. So we hear a lot about Jimmy Graham from other people, and we heard one of the things we heard from head coach Matt LaFleur after that Tuesday practice was that Jimmy Graham is kind of a perfectionist. He, in learning this new offense and trying to do everything right on the practice field, he gets kind of down on himself when things don't go so well. And Matt LaFleur said he's been trying to work on him to say, hey, you know, you're a veteran leader on this team. You know, things are going to go wrong when we're learning. Everybody's learning this thing from scratch and learning it brand new. You just have to take it in stride. You have to be a leader. He really likes the energy and enthusiasm and everything that Jimmy Graham brings to practice, but he's trying to channel it maybe in a little bit different way. And I'll be interested to see Aaron Rodgers certainly spoke of a lot of confidence that he's looking for a bounce back year from Jimmy Graham. Yeah, Graham has made no bones about it. I mean, he wants to have a more successful 2019 than 2018. He talked about the end of last year, and then again he mentioned it at his cornhole tournament this past weekend talking with reporters that yeah. you know he, he wants to be able to bounce back. He, he feels like he can still run the way he's always ran, and certainly he's still six foot seven and 260 pounds or whatever he is. And it was interesting listening to Rodgers discuss Graham because he said, you know, one thing, and I, I mentioned this at the end of last year, Graham didn't talk to the media a lot, and he also didn't make many excuses. He had a knee injury that we saw happen, I think it was in a training camp practice, pretty early on that he ended up being on the injury report for the entire year. The thumb got a lot of interest late in the season because he had to wear the splint, but the knee was basically an issue for him all year long. Aaron Rodgers mentioned he's back to being healthy again. It's one of the reasons why he believes he's going to have a lot more successful 2019 in his second year with the Packers. And getting back to that play in practice, it was, it was interesting listening to Preston Smith talk about it in the locker room because he, he was actually kind of proud of himself the way he originally handled the zone drop. Yeah. He, he thought he had help over the top, though, and as he <laughs> found out, he most certainly did not. And when you're Jimmy Graham and you get that kind of mismatch, 
that's what happens. So yeah. uh, for, for Graham to be able to build on that, I think, is going to be important. And the other thing is, too, Mike, you listen to Robert Tanyan and you know some of these guys that talk about him uh, and how open he is uh, with being able to, to be sort of an open book. Yes, he's incredibly hard on himself, wants to be a perfectionist, but he's always there, too, for for the young tight ends. I thought that was a really important thing last year for Tanya and being able to work with Lewis and also with Graham and hearing Jay Sternberger talk a little bit this past week. He also said that, uh, you know, he's been very similar in that capacity as well. Well, a couple other things on Graham. I know Rogers downplayed it, but you have to believe that the injury, the knee injury you talked about with Graham and obviously the knee injury Rogers was dealing with right from week one last season, there was a lot of missed practice time in yeah. there. So, I have to believe that that had an effect, had an impact in some respect on what Jimmy Graham was able to do in his first year with the Packers. But the other reason I brought up the point that Matt LaFleur made about kind of that perfectionist thing and and how he's working so hard to do everything just right the first time, it makes you wonder, at least it makes me wonder, and I don't want to get into a whole bunch of you know psychological analysis, but you look at it. Jimmy Graham's first year with Seattle when he left New Orleans was not all that good. His first year with Green Bay was not up to his standards. You wonder if this whole thing, this whole thing about how he's been going about learning a new offense and putting a lot of pressure on himself to get everything right the first time and to be that veteran guy that everybody needs to look to immediately, you know, to, to, to be the guy to follow. If that hasn't worked to his advantage, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And maybe now, if Matt Lafleur is able to to channel those things in in a little bit more positive direction, if we might and and with good health, we might see a little bit different dynamic between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham in year two. I'm glad you brought that up because I wrote that article at the end of last season. It was actually right after Graham made the comments of that he wasn't happy with, you know, the numbers are what they are, but he wasn't happy with the way he played. Yeah. We tend to romanticize, and I'm guilty of it too, of the fans and, and myself romanticize Jared Cook's time, his season in Green Bay. We think so much about Dallas and how well he played in the playoffs and down the stretch. You sometimes forget Jared Cook had like 300 yards receiving that year. Um, Before he had that injury that kept him out for six weeks, he really had sort of been a non-factor through the first month of the season. He came on against Washington and, and down the stretch, but early on it was difficult. So often, and for good reason, I was talking with Brian Gutekunst about this two weeks ago, tight end position it takes time to learn as a rookie it also takes time to learn as a veteran and for guys that are moving into a new scheme and a new offense and I think that plays into exactly what you're talking about Graham's second year in all those spots that you mentioned was always more impactful than the first so I think being able to see what he can do now with getting those reps with Rodgers and them knocking on wood that he stays healthy where that relationship goes and what kind of chemistry that generates on the field. Yeah, and as I say, as much as we don't necessarily hear from Graham directly in the media, we know he cares about it. He takes a lot of pride in what he does, and what little he has said about last season, he wasn't happy about it. Right. So um, let's see what happens. Absolutely. All I right. mean, being able to see exactly where all these young guys go, I, I think for me, Mike, and all my time on the beat, this is the most exciting the tight end room has been because there really does seem to be a big emphasis on it based on what we're seeing with Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I think, in, and and bringing in a third-round draft pick Absolutely. as a rookie in Sternberger to join the group. All right, Wes, the powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers, and at home or here in the stands, 
We all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, getting back to Tuesday's open practice and the highlights therein, defensively, an interception that probably goes for a pick six, I would think, the way things looked on the practice field. Tim Boyle, unfortunately, got picked off by linebacker James Crawford. Now, the interesting thing here, because when I mentioned Tim Boyle and James Crawford, obviously this is not a ones, this was not a ones versus ones, 11 on 11 situation, but it's not the first time in OTAs we've seen James Crawford intercept a pass. This is a young Off guy, Wes. This is a young guy, Wes, second year out of the University of Illinois, an undrafted rookie a year ago who walked into Packers training camp essentially two weeks late. He right. was signed on August 8th, the day before the first preseason game. Managed to make the 53-man roster as an undrafted rookie. Became kind of a dynamo on special teams for the Packers. Now, Blake Martinez and Oren Burks very clearly the 1-2 at inside linebacker right now in Mike Pettin's defense. But as far as the reinforcements behind James Crawford looking like he's in line to potentially be the number three, to be the first guy called upon um, to replace one of those two if something were to happen. He's uh, the, We hear the phrase a lot, making the most of your opportunity. It applies to James Crawford uh, up and down the line here. Absolutely. I want to talk about Crawford, but first off, I just want to talk about how much I love Tim Boyle. <laughs> we, we're in the media, myself and uh, two other reporters, we're in the media scrum. They're talking to, to Crawford after uh, practice yeah. on, on uh, what would that be, Wednesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. And Boyle sneaks up behind him. He's like, guys, it was one interception. I mean, just <laughs> I, it's just one interception. What's the big deal? And then he gave and was making a joke and then gave Crawford a little bit of a high five on it. But uh, I just, I love Boyle. I love his disposition about things. But yeah. as far as Crawford's concerned, what a jump. Uh, and again, you can't, we're not handing out trophies. We're not going to, you know, when, when mini camp wraps up here, we're not going to put on tuxedos and give away our awards for the yeah. offseason program. But this is what you want to see from a young man like this. And I asked him about that, too. Last year at this time, he wasn't in Green Bay. He wasn't even said, close. He was still two months away yeah. from getting to Green Bay. So he, he said that, you know, he got here. I think it was, I want to say it was August 6th or something like that. It was like a week or a week and a half in. And he had to pick up. But the one thing he was able to go back to was the special teams. Yeah, it, all the playbooks are difficult. You and I can't just go out there and play for a lot of reasons but I mean <laughs> we can't you can't just get in a camp, a camp and just expect to be able to do everything right but special right. teams are the ones you can rely a little bit more on instincts I thought Crawford showed good instincts I thought you saw his aggressiveness in that game against Kansas City is how he earned himself a roster spot that being said the rest of the year was sort of trial and error with him this is a guy who started at safety when he first got to Illinois playing yeah. special teams and doing a little bit of safety ended up moving to linebacker finished his career at defensive end and last year was rotating between the insider and outside linebacker rooms. Kirk Olavidati mentioned that, okay, he settled a little bit more with the inside linebackers this year. And I think that cross-training, I think that experience, making him kind of fire all those waves in his head of what his responsibilities are have made him a better player, and he showed some playmaking ability. I didn't get any comments. I should have. I forgot to ask if he's going to mention that to his uncle and see what uh, Charles Woodson would think of all those right. interceptions. But... That being said, it was pretty impressive to see him doing that. Well, he had a really funny comment in talking to you because I listened to the audio of your your interview with him with those other reporters that he was kind of joking that last year when he was brought in, 
a couple weeks into training camp, he was expected to know the playbook without ever having seen it. <laughs> yeah. Like he just has to get out there, you know, and, and you know, on the third or fourth string defense or whatever in camp and try to make some plays. So being here throughout the whole off season and Kirk Olavadati, the new inside linebackers coach, mentioned that putting him at inside linebacker is the best place to learn the defense because there are you don't it's not just about your responsibility. Mm-hmm. When you're an inside linebacker, you have to know a lot more about the defensive front. You have to know about what the outside linebackers are doing. You have to know what the safeties are doing behind you. So he's absorbing all those X's and O's right now and certainly making uh, making the most of what he's able to do with uh, the second string defense on the field here in OTAs. But uh, the interesting thing, when you look back at his rookie year, and I was just, I, I looked up the stats, we know it wasn't a good year on special teams for the Green Bay Packers in 2018. But if there was a bright spot, it was this guy. Yeah. 13 coverage tackles, which was tops on the team. He also had a fumble recovery on special teams. And the other thing I looked up, Wes, those 26 special teams penalties the Packers had last year, Crawford only had one out of those 26. It was an illegal formation. He lined up wrong on on a certain play. But all of the the holding and illegal block in the back and all those other penalties that piled up on the Packers special teams last year, he wasn't flagged for any of that. Yeah. This is a guy that I think Sean Meninger, the new special teams coordinator, is really going to be relying on to be one of those bell cows on special teams. And then Kirk Olavadotti is going to continue to work with him to learn the defense to be one of those next guys to step in at inside linebacker when they need somebody. Yeah, there. and I like his body type too. I mean, you can kind of see him. He's not a he's not a uh, huge guy, but he sort of has that movable athletic frame that lends itself to being effective on special teams, but also if he gets called in in a pinch on defense. One story I want to tell really quickly, going back to 2013, it seems like it's always the season I go back to, but you're talking about how a guy comes in, he's expected to know the playbook right away. Packers had an opening at safety. There was a, a guy who came in, I don't even remember what his name was, it was like the first or second day of camp. I think he was from Sacramento State. He was there for two practices, and I remember Joe Witt kept getting on. Or it wasn't Joe Witt. It was Joe Witt and Darren Perry with some of the ball handling drills they were doing. Right. They kept getting on him. They mentioned his name a couple times. That young man was gone in like a day or two. He was. If you either know it or you don't, you got to put in your hours. you got to stay up at night, watch it. The next guy to come in was Chris Banjo. Yeah. Banjo wasn't even the next guy up. He was the guy after the next guy up. <laughs> and for Banjo to come in, did the same thing that Crawford did, was able to pick up what he needed to pick up, learn at the pace he needed to learn, and then go from there. The reason I bring up Banjo here is because I think the Packers, one thing they need to do this offseason, I don't know who it's going to be, but I think you need to have two or three, maybe even four if you can find them on the roster have those kind of spots for the Banjos, the Bushes, the Crawfords, where you don't know exactly what their impact is going to be on offense or defense, but guys that are going to play the core four special teams units and give you that versatility, give you that dependability. I think a lot of times when these errors and these these miscues and these penalties flare up is when you start putting in new guys at new spots. If you have somebody that takes the lead of that room, you know, a, a leader, a charger, someone that's going to be able to play discipline and show guys the way it needs to be done, that's going to make you better. The best special teams units the Packers have had during my time here have had those players. I think Crawford's a step towards getting back to that. Yeah, and obviously it helps when 
the players on offense and defense stay healthy because then there isn't as much lineup shuffling, right. which then puts a lot of pressure on special teams with all the shifting around. And, and we've seen it. When that happens, it's very hard to have any kind of consistent special teams play. And the Packers are uh, obviously looking to uh, improve in that area. But before we go here, Wes, we started the show talking about our upcoming trip to Canada, but there's a British invasion of Lambeau Field there is. coming this weekend. Sir Paul McCartney coming in with Are you going to the show? I am not, unfortunately. I'm, I'm out not, of town. But, I'm not either, yeah. but okay. Well, your My fav- parents are going, though, and they're very excited okay. right now. Well, yeah. do they have a favorite Beatles song or a favorite Paul McCartney song? You know, that's a great question. I forgot to ask my mom. Hey Jude was always played in my house growing up. We joked about that's that in our pre-production meeting. There are plenty, um, plenty of great ones. Blackbird, the Blackbird one is my favorite. That's, you know, if, okay. if, if I was in Green Bay... Uh, I would be there, but some stuff came up here that I will be out of town. But I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I know there's a lot of people here excited about it. At some point here in these upcoming years, i got to get to a Lambeau Field event. I still haven't been to one. Yeah, I went to the Billy Joel concert a couple of years ago, but I will not be going to uh, to see Paul McCartney. Just for the record, I'm a Penny Lane fan. You oh, know, okay. The fireman rushes yeah. in from the pouring rain. It's very strange. I've always liked that. That's song. you? That yeah. was playing on the – what would that be? Would that be the the – like the disc spinner back then? The, tu- the turntable. The turntable, yes, that was it. Table. Yeah, back in that day. <laughs> Me showing my young age here and not being able to get that correct. All righty. Oh, well. well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.